This is the Washington State Indivisible Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Cox. Okay, it is time for our monthly update on how the 2022 election is shaping up and how you can get involved. And of course, we welcome back the leader of Indivisible Vashon and a very good friend, Kevin Jones. How are you, man? Hello. I'm doing well, and it's a pleasure to be with you again, Stefan. I always look forward to these uh, little updates on how the election is shaping up. I do, too. And I I love your insights. And I'm really excited to share some of them today because we have talked about these in advance, of course. And I know that you're thinking and talking and even writing a lot about how this election is going to be substantively different than the work that we did in 2020. We know that it's going to be tougher. Uh, What are some of the other key differences that you're going to be thinking about? Yeah, you know, just probably to recap where where this this upcoming election is really different than the 2020 in 2020. It was we knew that we wanted to focus on the White House, right? The 45th president had to go. Um, But when we looked at other parts of Congress, you know, the Senate was in Republican control. We wanted to change that. We also looked at the House and it looked like the House was pretty, pretty good shape, right? Lots, pretty good margins in the the House in terms of the progressives and the Democratic caucus. And uh, fortunately, um, we won the White House and we won the Senate. And of course, the U.S. House is still, um, you know, Nancy Pelosi is still the speaker, but barely, right? Mm -hmm. So, and, uh, but now, of course, the White House is safe um, in 2022. And the Senate being tied in the House with now only a 10-seat majority uh, for the progressives, the Democratic caucus, means that we need to focus on both the House and the Senate. Um, We also, with the election suppression waves that we're seeing coming out of conservative uh, state legislatures, the governor's races, the secretary of state and the attorney generals, boy, did we hear from them during the the wake of the 2020 election, how critically important their roles are. And also we have, of course, redistricting, which is going to change everybody's map in terms of congressional candidates and change their uh, vulnerability as well as the opportunities that they have to to reclaim their seat or move into a seat held by a a conservative. Exactly right, all the way across the board, yeah. So this year we're really focusing, of course, on the House and the Senate, but then also, as you say, these state-level positions as well, secretaries of state, AGs. So yeah, let's dig into redistricting a little bit. We've talked about this, you know, quite a bit over the, you know, the last couple of uh, segments that we've done here. What is new on that front, on the redistricting front, since the last time we talked? Well, the two new things uh, are Washington and New York have now got their maps published and they're out and they're being evaluated and we can drill down into the details of those maps. But before we jump into that, I will say that there's still some really important states that are still working on it. Um, it, And it's going to take a little while for everything to come in because some of the states won't have their district maps released until Louisiana as late as late july if you can believe that with the the november election just you know months after that Uh, but the states that we care about the ones that are likely to have uh, you know races that we can uh, engage with and make a difference are going to be pennsylvania possibly north carolina and probably in wisconsin for sure so those are the areas we're looking possibly florida Um, But uh, pretty much every month, uh, there's going to be another map that gets released and we'll be able to dive in and see what we're what we can learn from. 
Well, as you know, uh, we'll be covering this, of course, uh, and, and as those maps start to uh, become finalized, we can talk about the details of those. But let's do talk about both us here at Home of Washington and also New York. Um, and let's do start with New York. What is new? What have we learned? We know that it's been somewhat advantageous for Democrats, right? Uh, it has, indeed. And we were sort of hoping that New York would uh, dive in and take, um, you know, not surrender uh, their opportunity to um, to build their maps in a way that would be beneficial for progressives. And so uh, in New York now, what we're seeing is there are uh, definitely some close house races in New York. The, um, the Right now, there are three of them. So that makes that uh, important for us in terms of holding on to the House of Representatives. The other races in New York are, are not terribly competitive um, compared to some other states, but uh, definitely some good uh, house races that people can uh, consider putting their energy into. So good news there. Uh, let's also talk about us here at home. So the last time we talked, we hadn't finalized our map, something that I think a lot of people were uh, surprised by, but, but we have now. So what can you tell us that is new in terms of our congressional map right now as it stands? Absolutely. And, and the one thing that's not new is that the 8th Congressional District is still competitive. Um, it has you know, historically been um, very, very competitive in the last couple of cycles. It's been the closest contested Congressional District in Washington State. Uh, Dr. Schreier is in that seat right now. Uh, it is rated as a toss-up. Uh, so um, as people gear up to support uh, Washington state races, that is one that deserves people's attention. Can I just ask you about that really quickly? Because, you know, the 8th was competitive and I live there and I've, I've worked certainly on races uh, for the 8th. We worked very hard to actually flip it uh, because mm -hmm. this was drawn to be the 10th, the 8th uh, the, the rather was drawn to be a safe district for Republicans. In fact, it was drawn for Dave Reichert in 2010. It's the only district in the state that spans the Cascades. What are some of the differences with the new map that we should be aware of? Um, a couple of things. Um, well, first of all, the, the evaluators who look at competitiveness uh, looked at the prior uh, state map, and they were putting CD8 as also a toss-up competitive uh, district. Um, it depends on who you look at, right, who has a different different slant on these things. Because you're looking um, so at like Cooks, and I know that you're also referring to 538 and others, right? inside elections, so on and so on. Yeah, exactly. But the, the shape of the district has changed quite a bit. Um, it now incorporates more of the uh, western Washington, you know, west side of the Cascades than it did previously. Um, and I, and some of, the, um, some of the changes that I think made CD8 uh, more inclined towards Democrats is that we had all the population growth on our side of the mountains that brought in progressive voters and, and, and liberal voters. Um, so th that's kind of what's happening with CD8 in terms of uh, just, just the difference. And a lot of the Western Washington content is now moving further north. Uh, so previously we were on our way to you know, Auburn, Algona, folks, you know, place like that, South King County. Um, it's, it's moving north now. So uh, closer to the population centers of Seattle where people who want to knock on doors, uh, your drive is now going to be shorter. Exactly. And we know we're going to see a lot of you folks uh, in Seattle. And boy, oh, boy, are we grateful for that. Let's talk about some of the other districts that changed a little bit. We know that Susan Del Bene's district in the first uh, became much safer for her, which I think is, is very good news. Um, CD3, Jamie Herrera Butler's district. What can you tell us about that? 
Um, it hasn't changed very much um, compared to now 538 is the basis of the information here. Uh, it's still rated as competitive as opposed to solid. Um, but it, it, is, it is the only um, Republican controlled congressional district that's rated that way. Uh, the others four and five, uh, Dan Newhouse and um, uh, Kelly McMorris Rogers, yeah. those are both rated as, as solid, uh, safe for the Republicans. Well, yeah, they are. And it's always, you know, I've had uh, the candidates uh, on the Democratic side, uh, some of them just tremendous candidates who are running in the, the fourth and the fifth. And it's a, it's, it's a very difficult climb there. And we're very grateful. And we're, we're actually planning on having uh, some candidates from the third, fourth and fifth on the show here in the coming months. So stay tuned for that. Um, let's also talk about our map for the state legislature. So we know that the districts that have been competitive in the past are going to be competitive in this new map. Are there any things different that we should be aware of? First and foremost, remind us what those districts are. Yeah, so I think the historically competitive districts are going to remain so. Um, I will say that there are groups who are telling us that they're going to evaluate the competitive nature of the legislative district maps, meaning that it's our state legislature, right? Our House, our Senate. Uh, but the places that are close are still close. If you're between an urban center and a rural center, you can bet that your district is competitive. So we're talking about legislative district 10 in the uh, Whidbey, including Whidbey Island, for example. Right. Uh, legislative district 26, which is just west of Vashon Island. It lies uh, more into Bremerton now than it did, but it includes Port Orchard and, and that part of the Kitsap Peninsula. The 42nd and the 44th are two key ones. In the 42nd, um, Sharon Shoemake, who's a current uh, House member, is going to be competing to uh, fill Doug Erickson's seat uh, since he has now passed away as a senator. And uh, in the 44th, we're talking about April Berg and uh, Brandy Doney, um, uh, Brandy, Brandy Donahue and both Democrats that uh, we want to elect. I will just uh, mention for folks that Brandy Donaghy is the very first indivisible leader to ascend to the Washington State Legislature. It's very, very exciting uh, for, for that. And uh, also uh, April Berg, as you mentioned, is just a, she, she is an absolutely tremendous legislator and we really wanna keep her in the job. Sharon Shoemake, who in addition to being hilarious and has been on our sound off uh, news quiz. Yes, she has, is, yes. Yeah, is also just uh, she, she's she's extraordinary in that she is a she's a PhD and she she actually is a professor of both uh, economics and climate. So she brings she's a very very heavy hitter and we very much want her in the Senate. And of course Emily Randall is just an all around champion for uh, for healthcare and and many many other things. So of course we want to keep her there and we want to get rid of Greg Gilday in the tenth. So there you go. Let's go back uh, before we uh, wrap up here. I want to go back and just summarize the national picture because I know you've crunched a lot of numbers here. So just remind us, what is the current count of where Democrats have either gained or lost ground in the House? Uh, you know, it's looking pretty good for Democrats in terms of the new maps. It looks like on, on net that three states have actually gained ground for the Democrats. Um, now, there's a fair amount of litigation going on. I think when we did the count a couple of days ago, there were like seven states that these maps were in litigation. Ohio, in fact, is now in litigation to the point that the, um, the, the pundits who rate this have taken the Ohio predictions off the table. They're waiting for those new maps to come out. Um, New York that we mentioned, their maps are in litigation. 
it's not clear to me how serious the charges are, right? How, how serious the changes would be. Um, but right now, uh, the Democrats are definitely uh, doing a good job of uh, redistricting in a way that will uh, make sure to level the playing field and in some cases advantage Democratic candidates. Does this change, you know, from where we left off last month, has anything changed in terms of where you think we should be putting our focus uh, nationally? Well, I'll tell you, Nevada and Arizona are still neck and neck of deserving our attention. Um, they've they've been at or near the top of the list now for, for quite a while. But um, let me talk a little bit about what makes it to the top of the list, in my opinion. Please. Um, first of all, we know the notion that when we engage a voter, um, that voter is going to get a ballot and they have a lot of decisions to make, right, when they fill out the ballot. So if we engage a voter in a state that has a competitive um, House of Representatives member and a competitive governor and attorney general and secretary of state and a senator, that one call, that one postcard gives you the opportunity to influence up to five different votes from that individual voter. Um, and as we mentioned before, the, the notion of splitting your ticket um, is less frequent now. Voters are tending more and more to stay with the party of preference for the entire ballot. So what that means is when we take a look at um, where things stand, Nevada and Arizona both have three close house races uh, at the moment. Uh, we'd love to move some of those to being less competitive, leaning towards progressive candidates. That may happen over time. We will keep people posted right here on how that's going. <clears throat> but both states have three close house races, two toss-up. Both states have a toss-up Senate race. Both states, their governor is between toss-up and tilt, which means it's very, very close, just slightly out of the toss-up, coin toss range. Both Secretary of State races in Nevada and Arizona are toss-ups, and Attorney General is a toss-up in Nevada, And uh, but the AG in Arizona looks pretty solid. <laughs> so, But um, that's where you can really do a lot of good in terms of outreach to voters in those two states. So good. Okay, so Arizona, Nevada, and I love what you're saying about how, you know, ticket splitting is a thing of the past. And so one phone call, one text, one postcard could really impact five different races in either of those states. A lot of bang for the buck there. What are some other states that we're looking at? Yeah, and we're using the same theme here of where do we have what's called nested opportunities. So two key states, Wisconsin for sure, and we know that um, – uh, Senator Johnson is uh, a favored re retirement opportunity for us, Ron Johnson in Wisconsin. So we'd like to have him move along. In yeah, Pennsylvania. Trumper. Yeah, he'd be great to, to have a, out of the a Senate. Big Trumper. Sure. Yeah. In Pennsylvania, similarly, a close governor's race, but neither Pennsylvania nor Wisconsin have released their maps yet. So we don't know how many close house races there will be. Uh, but it's rest assured in those states, similarly, the Senate the governor's race, and at least the AG or secretary of state race are going to be very, very competitive. Um, we can't let this podcast go by without mentioning Senator Warnock in Georgia, another super close race. Um, the governor's race there is close. The AG race is close. It doesn't look like Georgia has any competitive 
house races right at the moment uh, based on the latest assessment. So again, we'll keep, keep eyes on that. Um, I want to mention Michigan with yep. four close house races um, and, uh, and a close governor's race and a pretty competitive attorney general race. These are the states you hear about on the nightly news when we're talking about the work they're doing to defend democracy and defend our elections. And these are the candidates we want to find opportunities to keep the right candidates in office. Um, other than that, um, we're kind of watching a couple of others. Florida, they don't have their maps out. We'll see how that turns out. Minnesota, no maps yet. Um, and New York, I'm happy they were able to swing their maps to support progressives. But right now, um, with only three close house races and no other really competitive races in New York, we'll have to make a decision about whether we're going to recommend people support in New York or, uh, or focus on some of these other states. Well, I appreciate your work crunching numbers. Um, I would call you our resident Steve Kornacki, but you're better. You're better, man. I, I love all this. So um, we know that we're going to be very, very focused. We're going to be very focused on action. Everybody watching knows that we're going to be really, really pushing for volunteer opportunities and, and, and ways that you can get involved. So uh, what are some of the latest volunteer opportunities right now? I know that the last time that we talked, things were still starting to kind of bubble up. What do we have right now for people? Uh, well, in the states of Nevada and um, Arizona, we do have phone banking opportunities that people can jump into right now. Um, and so we're, we also have donation opportunities for any one of the states we mentioned. And these are all on the indivisiblevashon.org webpage under the get out the vote uh, link. Uh, so so number of opportunities in those two key states. Right here in Washington, yes. uh, Dr. Kim Schreier has now gotten into the act with a phone bank. They've only got um, last Thursday, yesterday, and um, this coming Thursday are opportunities to phone bank for Kim Schreier's reelection. And uh, you would go out to either Take Action Network and find that election opportunity or uh, go out to mobilize and, uh, and, and set the filters to look for phone banks in Washington State. And you'll find that opportunity for, for Dr. Schreier. Feeling good about that. Feeling very good about that. Also, you have uh, a, a group now that you have formed around this. Uh, you have an upcoming meeting, yes? We we have um, a bunch of indivisible group leaders have been talking about election work uh, now for a couple of months. And we met just uh, last week. And we now have the Win Elections 2022 work group. And a lot of, of excitement around that. Uh, in um, Let's see, Indivisible Washington's 8th Congressional District is going to definitely be behind Schreier. Port Townsend, they're focusing on Arizona and Pennsylvania. In their campaign is uh, Washington Indivisible's uh, team, Washington Indivisible Teams Helping. Uh, with is there. So when you see with, it has more meaning than just like you and me. Um, <laughs> Good. Okay. Duly noted. And, uh, it's got some con 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 connotations, some context and some, some real activities that they're just now starting to, to get organized and off the ground. Great. Um, Seattle Indivisible, um, Harris uh, Schwartzreich and Annie Kelly Camp are focusing on Schreier. They've got their big bunch of letters that campaign that they worked on two years ago. They're going to re, re go uh, forward with the vote forward letters. <clears throat> and <clears throat> I think they're in the like 10,000 range. 
They, uh, you know, last two years ago, they talked about the photograph of the gigantic piles of letters on the table that people mail toward the election. Uh, so they're going to move out with that. Also with texting and, and probably postcards for Washington. Um, so those are all um, those are all opportunities uh, for people to to uh, get involved. If your group is working to raise attention for a candidate in your district and you want to create opportunities for volunteers, um, let me know because uh, we definitely want to make sure to include you. And um, you did want me to look up when that next meeting is. We're meeting once a month. I believe and, it's March 10th uh, at 6.30 p.m. Uh, you know, you are looking ahead, and uh, that is exactly when we're meeting March 10th at Oh, I'm a swami. I'm good. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So, hey, by the way, if there is somebody who is, uh, they know that their group is planning on focusing on a particular area in the election, uh, how can they get in touch with you? Uh, the best is Kevin at IndivisibleVashon.org. Go ahead and send me an email. Uh, if you're on the WIN Slack, you can send me a direct message, uh, Kevin Jones. And uh, But I think that either way, you'll be able to find me. And uh, like I say, if you want to be part of the conversation, if you have an action plan that you would like to make sure other people hear about, that's what we're all about. It's trying to make sure people can discover you, discover your great work, be supportive of your organizing. We got some real experts who are basically doing this work. And everybody can learn from them and replicate that in your area. And uh, so, you know, let's go out and make sure some great candidates have a chance to uh, to be seated and represent us and share our values. And hang on to those majorities in the Senate and the House. That's what it's going to be all about. And, of course, the, the state-level races as well. So much at stake this year, as we all know. Lots and lots of work to, to do ahead. And uh, it's going to be all hands on deck, gang. Kevin, as always, I appreciate it, man. I, I thank you for all of your incredible work. And we'll see you next month. I'm looking forward to it again, Stefan. Thanks again for the opportunity uh, this month in February to bring people to the update how things are going. And that'll do it for this week's show. The website for the show is indivisiblepodcast.org, and you can get in touch at indivisiblepodcast@gmail.com. If you'd like to see a recording of this or any of our podcasts, head to facebook.com slash indivisiblepodcast, and you can follow us on Twitter at indivisiblepod. Our executive producer is Kat Pipkin. Special thanks to Lori Caldwell, and as always, my thanks to you for listening. Talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.